It's all right, because Joe's there. Um, well, discuss. What was the view on the um, podcast from the gas cast when Joe took over? Because the expectations were so low that as long as he kind of turned up and gave it some, fans would be forgiving of him. Um, but yes, he comes with a lot of history. And a pending court case. Uh, he's pleaded not guilty. So we'll, we'll see again his day in court. So it basically split the fan base as soon as kind of also, you know, with the going back to the Rovers DNA stuff, um, he turned down the job initially because he didn't want to be under a director of football and the whole structure. He wanted to basically be a, an old school manager and control everything, which is his one. And then the club basically buckled and said, no, come on, we really need you. Get in, bring Clint, bring Andy Mangan, bring whoever you like. So to an already quite big staff um, that is now kind of a bit of a patchwork of all the previous manager's staff. Yeah, on the reputation side, he did split opinion. There were a lot of people who were, and I was kind of in that camp, kind of saying, you know, he, he had a pretty good record at Fleetwood. And as a manager, just on his record, brilliant. I'm reasonably happy. Um, but the reputation and the baggage he brings and the kind of media circus, I was kind of, I'm not really all that happy with it there were people on that kind of hand who were like you know oh, he has obviously got his his reputation and then there are other people who were excited to have a big name like Joey Barton is for Bristol Rovers a big name so they were kind of like you know yeah let's let's get him in what's done is done what's in the past he's done his time and all that kind of stuff and he can kind of come in and, and save our season essentially he didn't help himself so when he came in he, he went on a bit of a media blitz so he he dressed his kids up in Rover shirts, he would call us gas heads, he made sure to use all the right phrases, all the things that kind of he he knew there was going to be a barrier to him. So he kind of, yeah, went on this media blitz, won a lot of people over it. I mean, he started to win me over and I was like, yeah, all right, we'll see what he can do on the pitch. And then almost immediately he started basically turning around and saying that the players aren't in good shape or they're not good enough, both interchangeably calling players out publicly and he famously said that and he's repeated this as well a couple of times that um, Ben Garner and Paul Tisdale were negligent if they were doctors they would have been struck off by how they set up the players hmm. yeah strong words yeah I'm very much of the opinion you know that might all be true so this is where I kind of down that fault line where there's people who are like well you've got the worst record of any of our managers this season you can't be slinging around those kind of accusations and there are other people who are kind of like well no he's coming in he's telling our ears he's telling the truth we need a shake up we need this so it's kind of we're still in the balance with him and I kind of feel like if he has the summer refreshes the squad and then next season doesn't start like doesn't hit the ground running a lot of those people are going to be like well you know you said with a pre-season you could get you know us promoted you said it was all these people's fault and the blame the eyes are going to start looking at Joey Lyon instead of all the kind of stuff that he was he was saying. So he's made a rod for his own back, and he has talked openly about promotion next season. He, he set the expectation, and if he if he matches it, great. If he comes short, I think there's going to be a lot of criticism yeah. for him. It's, it's going to be pretty pretty bad for him. I think he's so many rods for his own back. He's made over the years. This is the Bristol Rovers eleven that lost four one to Joey Barton's Fleetwood. I don't know if it was under Ben or under Paul, but it was mid-November, so it was... That was Ben Garner's last game. Right. 
Uh, so just after each name, can you just give me a yes, no as to whether they'll be involved in Joey Barton's uh, fourth tier team? Goalkeeper Van Stappershoff? No. Uh, Aimer? No. B- Baldwin? No. Harry's? Yes. Hare? No. Westbrook? No. Josh Grant? Yes. Uh, McCormick? No. I'll pause on McCormick because I, I clicked through... Do you think he's going to make it as an elite level professional, given that he's come through one of the best academies in the world? He has been one of the best things about this season. In a, in a, in a sea of low lights, he has been a highlight. For a young lad who's on loan, he's shown more fight and passion than a lot of the players who were, who were brought in to be the leaders. Do I think he'll make it top level? No. I don't think he'll be a Premier League player but he'll be a decent championship player, I think. Mm, I think Loftus-Cheek, who started on the bench for, uh, is it Fulham tonight? Uh, I think maybe that'll be the level, although Loftus-Cheek has had horrific injuries. Uh, Koiki? Koiki? Koiki, Ali Koiki, no. Okay, and then Erhun, who is back at Charlton, and Hanlon. Yes. Right, well, that's... Hesitant. That's not fantastic, of that 11. And then coming off the bench, Nicholson, Daly, and Tutonda. Uh, yes, no, no. Hmm. So, again, we know about the one-year contracts at third, fourth tier level. There is a refreshment of the side. But Joe will know perhaps some League One players whom he can sell Bristol Rovers to with a kind of, do you want to win every week? Because 24th in um, the third tier is not good enough. Your top scorer was a defender. Are you keeping hold of him? He's already signed for Shrewsbury. Oh, dear. I'm so sorry. So what do you think? If you had a message or the gas cast had a message to Joe for playing stuff, because, you know, you just I guess you just say that's Darrell Clark's side. Repeat it. But what kind of players do you want signed before the end of August? So he started with a lot of those names we signed last last summer on like two, three year deals. So realistically, they're all going to pretty much all of them be here come August unless he can force them out essentially and Max Aimer I think is going to be one of those where he's going to be desperate to get rid of him when I talked about Joe publicly I'm going to call him Joey because I don't know why always Joey Byron but most people call him Joe um, when he called out players in public Max Aimer was one of them clock captain and he called him out for his attitude so I would be very surprised if he's here come August but essentially we've got a team that is Young, not particularly experienced, and they're just lacking a bit of a nice bit of experience. So we sold, well, we got rid of players like Tony Craig, Ollie Clark, Liam Serkham, really experienced players, been at Rovers a long well, in the case of Ollie Clark, been at Rovers a long time. And we replaced them with that kind of Rovers DNA, I keep coming back to it, players like Westbrook, Chad Baldwin, Keen Harris, of that kind of more academy style because Ben Garner was an academy coach before he came to Rovers and at League 1 level maybe you can get away with it but at League 2 level there's absolutely no way so we need a commanding centre back um, we need a tough tackling midfielder and we need a big angry horrible bastard up front to bully defences and if we had that this season even just the, the big guy up front might have been all right. So it's kind of that spine which we 
essentially tried to switch styles completely over one summer and it just it just didn't work and that's essentially what cost Ben Garner his job mm. and then Disdell's kind of tried to pick it up didn't get the striker in in January fought right back and then it fell on his ass. and then by the time I do feel bad for Joey Byron because by the time he got there a lot of the damage had been done but he had I think more ga- he had more games than um, Tisdale or Ben uh, Garner and, and still got less points than both of them so that kind of record speaks for itself mm-hmm. What is there a contingency plan if Joe does have a custodial sentence? I'd like to think so knowing Rovers because we had a, a watertight contract with, with Sainsbury's to sell the men to them um, and then that all fell through and we tried to take them to court and basically our, our contract wasn't worth the paper it was written on knowing that I kind of feel like we might be up the creek if he does get a custodial. I'd like to think we wouldn't take a risk on him if he was. So he might be confident that he might get a suspended sentence because I know he's got a young family and that, so I know they take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. So if there, if it is a short custodial, they might just say, you know, he's got Clint Hill there, he's got Andy Mangum, and he's brought his director of football up as well, um, or down, sorry, from Fleetwood. So it might be that they kind of look after it while he's in the big house, maybe. Um- I was going to say, what about Darrell Clark? But I note that he's in charge of Port Vale, whom you will be coming up against. I'm very much looking forward. I can't wait. Yeah, it's not a big trip. Uh, Before I ask you your best 11, I must give you uh, your laminated football library card. Usually it's got Brian Glanville's face on it, but I think you know where I'm going with this. I have three very large books behind me. The Ball is Round, The Game of Our Lives, and... And the age of football. What connects those three books to the gas? David Goldblatt. And look at this. There is a chat with him, 70 minutes long, uh, just before Christmas. And it was you. What did you learn? It was a hero of mine. Game of Our Lives is one of mine on my list. Oh, it's sensational. Uh, Such a great book. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a lot, a lot of time for him. We spoke about his, he's done a report on uh, climate change in sport. And basically how a lot of football league clubs are going to be either underwater or in mm. serious trouble. Mentioned uh, uh, when Saturday comes, uh, ran a piece on it. So it was good to see David's flowing locks in WSC this month. Yeah, yeah, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, yeah, I was chuffed to, chuffed to get to speak to him and, yeah, adopted, adopted the gas uh, when he moved to Bristol. So I'm a big, yeah, big fan all round of the guy. Who's his favourite player? I didn't ask him, actually. That's a very good question. Well, I suppose because you were too busy asking him about everything else. Because these books, if I dropped the ball is round from my window, I'd go to jail if it landed on someone. Because I should know that you don't drop a 700-page tome uh, on the cover. One thing I'd like to ask him is that on the cover of Ball is Round, it's Pele and Bobby Moore. On the cover of the paperback of The Age of Football, it's Guardiola and, gosh, is it Klopp and Guardiola? So he's making the point, I think, that football has changed from the players to the systems. Mm. I will have to listen to uh, this chat, which I will check out at GasCastPodcast, GasCastPodcast.co.uk, and you can listen to um, hundreds, I suppose, there are now. Which one's the best? Which one's your favourite? Well, we've got an excellent, excellent interview with Daryl Clark himself, um, which Harley spoke to him and obviously we were fighting all of us to try and speak to him because he's amazing and he yeah talks about his time at Rovers 
which obviously started with our lowest ebb, finished on a high, and then he left under a bit of a cloud, but he's just got all his anecdotes from, from his time at Rovers, and he still loves us, and we love him. Oh. You can you can hear it in all his interviews whenever he talks about Bristol Rovers. He's, he absolutely loves it, so... I'd recommend that as a to any Port Vale fans who might be listening. Yeah, I think I will, uh, the Ale with the Vale podcast will certainly lap that up. Um, Bristol Rovers v Port Vale is going to be one of the fixtures of the season next year. Realistically, top three for Bristol Rovers, although four teams went down and they were all better than you. Yeah, this is the thing with the squad we've got on paper, which is what we said this season, on paper they're really good. But with the squad we've got, I think a lot of them would be actually really good in League 2. Brandon Hanlon, who had a really good start to this season and then faded after Christmas, um, barely barely notched at all. He's the kind of player who's he's got pace, trickery. His finishing's not great, but, you know, against League 2 defences, he should have enough. Zane Westbrook, I think, was something stupid like third in the league for um, chances created. So he's he's got the... He's got the talent, and at least two, he should absolutely boss it. If we do kind of make the right additions in the right places, I think we can seriously challenge. And for Barton, I mean, it's promotion is the aim. So if he's recruiting for promotion, then hopefully that will translate into into a charge. But we'll see. Yeah. It never works out uh, on paper as it does with reality. Oh, correct. Um, apart from David Goldblatt, are there any books by or about Bristol Rovers or players connected thereof? Yeah, so Gary Mabbott um, has done an autobiography. Ian Holloway, I think, has got one. Yep. Uh, uh, this guy went to Liverpool and way before my time, mind. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's got a book. There's quite a few Rovers books. Um, there's Rags to Riches, which is a guy called John Thompson, about the conference season. Um, Lee Brown actually wrote a couple of books. He was a Rovers hooligan, essentially, wrote Booted and Suited. Um, and I, I did chat to him not too long ago, and that's a really, really good book because it kind of starts back in the kind of 70s, and it's a bit of a documentary about the time, and he, he's really into his music, so he kind of talks about terrorist culture and how it evolves, and then obviously all the tear-ups with another football team. Um, so you've got your David Goldblatt football library card and you're welcome into the library. Please don't desecrate any of the Bristol City books or hide them or move them or put them in the humour section with the Bristol Rovers books that a Bristol City fan has already moved to the humour section. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just draw like, knobs on the inside pages. Uh, well, I'm afraid Johnny Nick, Johnny Nicholson will have a word with you if you deface any of the books, because he's our hermit. He's at the front desk. Uh, I don't know if you read John Nicholson's pieces on Football 365. Right now. No, they're sensational. So it remains um, to ask you your best 11, Mr Metcalf. I've only been a season ticket holder since 2016, so this is going to be heavily DC-era based. And I'm setting up in a 4-3-3, which I think was our our best shape under DC. I always enjoyed it when he went attacking. So, in goal, I'm going to go for Steve Mildenhall of Swindon and Yeovil Town fame. He's been around for, for yonks and yonks. I think he's back at Swindon now in a coaching capacity. Left back, it's only ever going to be Lee Brown. When he sent us up, I mean, it, 
describe it again. It's amazing. Centre-backs, I'm going for Alf Kilgore, whose uh, breakthrough season was, I think, last season. He's, he's young, he's a gasset. Um, despite his song, he doesn't drink, he's a teetotaler. But he is a... He's already worn the armband. He's, he's coming up to 50 appearances. He's only 23. He is going to be playing above Rovers soon. He's very, very good. Um, he just needs that solid centre-back next to him to bring out the best in him. And that centre-back next to him is Mark McChrystal, who got relegated with Rovers into the National League, stayed with us, got promoted. And he is um, unintelligible. He's Northern Irish. You can't understand one word he says at all. But he is that tough tackling Anytime, he's, he's the centre-back you want to be marking John Akinde. Uh, John Akinde. Yeah, John Akinde. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why John Akinde just popped into my head. Good I was thinking of Akin. Yeah, well, not for us he wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, when, when you've got that big horrible bastard, he's the big horrible bastard to beat up the other guy. So he is exactly what I want. Right back, James Clark. He's probably not the best right back the Rovers have ever had. But uh, again, on this kind of Stuart Sinclair level, I really love him. He's a really nice bloke and he was always solid. Um, he's out of contract in the summer at Walsall and now we're dropping down. Maybe. I'd love to see that. Definitely. Start the petition. Bring him home. Yeah, bring him back. Um, <laughs> three in the middle. My midfield three, I've got Stuart Sinclair, obviously. I've got Lee Mansell, I've mentioned a couple of times, playoff hero, puts himself about. And a really lovely bloke again. I'm just picking people I really like on a personal level. You're allowed. Um, That's what Darrell Clark did. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got uh, Chris Lyons, who is Rover's most promoted player. Uh, 500 appearances. Gassard. He's always going to get in any kind of Rover's ultimate team for me. He's a bit of a Marmite figure sometimes, but I think he's he's class. He dropped down into the into the conference team us and basically help get us promoted again so he's he's right up there for me my my front three so i've got ellis harrison um again another dc era player like a real joker whenever we hear stories about him in the dressing room he's always the one playing pranks always keeping yeah just keeping the stories going so he's he's up there um and he was brilliant for us anyway so he's there on merit and because um, I like him as a man. And then Billy Bowden, who, another one, he's out of contract at Preston this summer. Um, he is one of the most exciting players I've ever seen play for Rovers. He was that player that everyone would get out in their seat to make sure they could see what he was doing. He's shoot either foot, bags of tricks, not amazingly quick, but would just twist players inside out and then do it again for no reason and score he just he scored some fantastic goals including that one against Dagenham and Redbridge on the last last day of the season um York away another one where he just twisted players inside out and just calmly slots home always a pleasure to watch my main striker in the middle I've got Johnson Clark Harris Ooh, I've heard of him I spoke 
to a guy called Steve Thorpe, who is a Peterborough United fan. Uh, this goes out on June the 4th. The chat with Steve went out on June 2nd. Uh, Peterborough are promoted. Bristol Rovers are well relegated. <laughs> I don't know why I've got Roy Hodgsonitis, but um, <coughs> yes, uh, Johnson Clark Harris. Who did he score against you this season, or was he kind <laughs> enough not to? I think he might have been kind enough not to. You know, very nice, nice guy. He was a, a Coughlin sign-in. Came in from Coventry. Indifferent record wherever he'd been. He'd been at like Oldham and a few other places, and kind of he come in. You could see. I mean, bit about him I mean he's a big lad but his close control was really good and he had one of the most powerful shots I've ever seen and he came in and you're kind of thinking alright yeah he's, he'll, he'll do a job and then he just hit a vein of form and just would not stop scoring but not tappings he wasn't getting any service in that Coughlin team that was when we were kind of playing basically centre backs get it poof it up to oh, Johnson no. Clark Harris hope that he does something and he did he scored 24 and 42 for Rovers. He was always going to be leaving. We're a selling club as much as any club, but he was always going to be gone. But the goals that we, we got out of him were incredible. Plymouth away, Screamer from about 40 yards, Gillingham away, same. Just Screamer after Screamer. And he was the focal point for, for a while. And not top 20 were calling us Johnson, Clark, Harris, FC. <laughs> and it was accurate. Our whole game plan was just give it to Johnson and hope that he bangs one. So he's he's in there for me. And we've done really well out of the Peterborough deal as well because we've got kind of add-ons and that. So we've got a decent fee. But then the add-ons with him being top goal scorer, promotion. Darren McAntony was saying we'll get something like a six-figure sum just from, from add-ons for the summer. So we're all cheering him on. And I mean, as... As fans, you always you always keep an eye on your ex-players, and some of them you keep an eye on because you want them to die, but some you want them to do well. And Johnson was definitely one I wanted to do well, both because you know I knew Rovers are going to get some money, but also for him. I don't know what it was with Coughlin; he just got the best out of him. And they had they used to do this; <laughs> they used to spar uh, together on like a Friday or whatever, and he just they just pummel each other. They had this weird relationship where he just. I don't know what it was, but yeah, they just, they spar, they get the best out of each other, they wind each other up to the point where he's like ready to kill someone and then they go on the pitch and just absolutely batter whatever opposition he comes up against. That paragraph um, had the word die and kill. We don't want Matty Taylor to do either of those things, but if he can like step on a bit of Lego and kind of suffer second degree burns, that seems to be what Bristol Rovers fans would be acceptable for him. Um, of the players of the last 20, 30 years or so, were there any fan favourites whom you missed out on seeing? Oh, plenty. I mean, you mentioned Ellington. He was around the same time as Curran. I mean, the strikers we had then, Hales, Roberts, Zamora. You're looking at these players and, uh, yeah, it's sad that I missed out on those. I think that was quite upsetting. Um, I, I saw a little bit of Ricky Lambert, but not a massive amount. So I didn't have that kind of deep connection when he went on to play for England. Of all of the players I would have really liked to see him play, I think Ian Holloway would be right up there for me. Obviously, everyone knows what he's like. And whenever I hear him speak, I'm just like, this is this is brilliant. This is exactly what I want to hear from from an ex-footballer. But yeah, Gav's throwing through. He was a good player. So yeah, I think Holloway would be, be up there for me. 
Have you read Ollie, the autobiography that came out in 2007? It's available on Kindle for less than £3. I haven't. I'm, I'm not a big fan of player books. I haven't even read um, Joey Barton's, actually. Oh, it's, please do. Make... Please do. It's worth about a couple of days of your time. I did read um, Jermaine Pennant's just because I was giving it to a mate as a present, so I thought mm. I'd quickly read it. And it, yeah, it took me an hour or so. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there were some juicy bits in it, but generally, I, I don't know, player, player ones, I just find them really bland, so I, I don't bother with them. Oh, well, uh, tomorrow I'm talking to Andy Bollen, who is a comedy writer and a, a musician, and he recommends Full Time, which is Tony Cascarino's memoir, which is a classic of the football memoir genre. There are probably about 12 football memoirs you have to read, and then the rest are optional. But what football book have you got on the go at the moment? Um, I just As I've just slagged off um, football biographies, uh, I've got... Memoirs, yeah. I've got. I bought Ray Parlors as like off the cuff because I, because he was entertaining me during lockdown with his drinking challenges. So I thought, you know what? <laughs> I reckon it was fun. But I've got Soconomics has just come. Yep. Um, and then I've got Inverting the Pyramid is on the shelf, and so is the Fall of FIFA. So the kind of that's the more end that I. Those two I are very hard. Fall of the House of FIFA, which is David Conn, is sensational but really tough. It's not a football book. It's like a true crime novel. Um, and as for Wilson, um, I gobbled it up. One of my favourite football books, and you'll gobble it up as well. And you, I'm sure Joe has read it. Um, and Gareth Southgate will have read it as well. Are there any Bristol Rovers players in the Euro? Um, Ansi Yakola might get... He's like the third choice for Finland. So, no. <laughs> Maybe on the off chance, but no, generally, I don't think we've got not even one, not even close. And here's my final question to you. Where are you going to be watching England? Which public house or outdoor space are you going to venture into? So, basically, a split strategy. It's not the same same pub for all of them. So, one of the games I'm at the Lansdowne in Clifton. Um, they've got a massive screen outdoors, um, which will be interesting. I haven't been out there for ages, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and then I went to... There's a new place in Bristol. There's a few dotted around called Lane 7, I think there's one in like Newcastle and, and wherever. They've not long opened and I went down last night and they've got, they reckon one of the biggest screens in Bristol. So I think I've booked a table for the um, Croatia game and I've booked the next day off as well because it's a Sunday. Good. Um, but if all else fails, um, I will go to the Bank Tavern. Uh, if you come down to Bristol, I can highly recommend it. It's right in the middle of town. Really lovely pub. Proper like pub pub, but they've got a gazebo outside with tellies up for the Euros, mm-hmm. run by the loveliest people you can imagine. Really nice atmosphere, amazing food. I can't recommend it. I should be on commission uh, for the amount of people I recommend that go down there. It's a it's a lovely boozer. What's it called again? The Bank Tavern. The Bank Tavern. So that's where I'll go before Gas play Port Vale at the Darrell Darrell Clark Memorial Game next season. <laughs> Which I and you hope to go to. So, um, continual good luck to the gas casters. I imagine that you will continue broadcasting in the fourth tier. Um, just a reminder who the full team is. So it's myself, Harley Thorne, Ollie Nino, Jack Newcomb, Max Alderson and Kaz May. It's like a five-a-side team with subs. Do you all oh, have particular all... roles? No, we just kind of muck in. I mean, Kaz, is, she, she's a video editor by trade, so she's really good at kind of that 
kind of side of it. Um, Max is really good on like doing all the graphics and that, so he kind of tends to do that. I'm not very good at anything, so I just kind of chime on with my shit opinions. And then, yeah, Harley and Jack and Nino. Nino actually is, um, he did a journalism degree, so he's brilliant at putting together the schedules. We're, we're recording part two of our relegation special tomorrow night, so he's been working on the, uh, on the schedule for like a week. So I'm expecting big things. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it is Gascast Podcast is where you can go on Twitter. Uh, up the gas. Is that something I should say? Absolutely. Up the gas. Go on, you gastards. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library!